right, so last week, we looked at the beginning of John chapter 20, and it walked us through the resurrection. It walked us through Peter and John looking in the tomb from John, believing but not understanding, and then to Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene, telling her to go and tell the others, to tell his brothers that he is going to his father, their father, in heaven. And that all happened in the morning of Easter, the first ever Easter. And then we shift now in John 20 to look at the evening of that first Easter morning, or that first Easter day, moving from morning to evening. And we've got the disciples, they're all gathered in a room. And when Jesus appears to them, he commissions them, and he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. And just like I spoke on last week, where Mary Magdalene was that first evangelist, where she was running to share that good news, heading out to fulfill that mission that Jesus had given her, here we have the disciples being commissioned. Jesus gives them the mission to which he's asking them to go and live into, to share the good news. And then he equips them, again, breathing the Holy Spirit onto them. But more than that, he goes on to speak a little bit more. And, and he actually gives them the keys to heaven. And he says to them, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's what's, what's referred to as the keys of heaven. He's giving them to the disciples collectively. And because he's given them to the disciples collectively, then they are collectively and inherently given to the church. It's the church that has the call to pronounce forgiveness. And the treatise against the Pope actually goes on and comments on this verse of Scripture. And it reads that these words show that the keys are given to all of the apostles alike, and that all of the apostles are sent forth alike. And in addition, it must be recognized that the keys belong not to the person, one particular man, but to the church. For Christ, speaking about the keys, adds and provides an example from Matthew 18, verse 19, if two of you agree on earth, then it is in heaven. And if we look at our new governance documentation that we've got here at St. John, it's laid out quite clearly for us that under the leadership of the elders, they have responsibility for what is deemed church discipline. So if any individual uh, chooses to be living a life outside of what, we, what is deemed uh, Christ-like living and are unrepentant, then it falls on the elders to, if they continue to want to live that way or, or not come repenting and not look to uh, be corrected, then they can be refused access to the Holy Sacrament of Communion. And if they continue 
then it can get to the point where they're asked to leave the church because they won't do what we're all called to do, which is live into a life of repentance. See, in order for the church to be able to pronounce forgiveness, then there's got to be a, be, a, be a move from an individual to come in the sacrament of penance, which is confession. Confession is what opens the door to forgiveness. If we don't come in confession, we actually can't receive forgiveness. There is the prerequisite to forgiveness, and that is confession. And while all this is going on, and Jesus is talking about all this with the disciples, with the apostles who are gathered, Thomas isn't there. He has no idea what's gone on. And he won't believe those who were there about what's gone on. He, 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 he couldn't bring himself to believe their word. He had to, to see it for himself. Unless he was going to touch the hands of Jesus, unless he was going to feel that side where the spear pierced, he isn't going to go and say, yeah, Jesus is risen from the dead. And I'm sure many of you can relate a little bit to Thomas. Because we live in a world where tactical proof is the currency of the day. And so Thomas isn't, he's not able to cross into that, that realm of belief. But the following Sunday, the disciples are gathered again. They're in a locked room, and Jesus once again appears among them. And he says, peace be with you. Why does he say peace be with you? Because he wants them to be at ease. Because they're probably a little bit freaked out. We had the doors locked, and this other guy's here, and well, now we know it's Jesus, but how do you get in? <laughs> Jesus is like, peace be with you. Now the scriptures tell us it was eight days later. And so you might be thinking, well, your math's wrong, Dan, because Sunday to Sunday, you know, after Sunday, seven days later it's Sunday, not eight. But the scriptures follow um, the Jewish inclusive reckoning, which would include the day that you're talking about as day one. So when we're talking about eight days later, we're talking about one week on from the resurrection as we are one week on from having celebrated the resurrection. And here is Thomas with the disciples in the room and Jesus comes among them. And maybe surprisingly, Jesus is kind of, all right, Thomas, put your finger here in my hand. Feel my side. Don't go on disbelieving. Just believe. And Thomas is like, okay. I believe. And like I said, I'm sure many of you can relate to Thomas. We're all living in that world, like I said, which is looking for seeing in order to believe. It's, it's all about looking for proof. And even where the absence of what I would call non-proof, well, that isn't enough 
to prove something. And the, key, the case for Jesus, having lived, having been crucified on a cross, it really can't be refuted. It really can't. We've got historians across the world who agree on this fact. Even atheists and agnostics will talk about the life and crucifixion of Jesus as fact. One of them, Gerd Ludemann, says that Jesus' death as a consequence of crucifixion is indisputable. And then, of course, there's Lee Strobel, an investigative journalist who set out to debunk the idea of faith. And he gathered all this evidence. He used all the skill and the knowledge and the understanding that he had of how to research and, and how to prove or disprove something. And all he could do was convince himself that Jesus was real, that he did live, that he did die through crucifixion, but also that he raised from the dead because of historical fact and because of the evidence that is based around um, sayings from the day, what people had written about the day, different Jewish historians that had led a whole case for what had happened. And Thomas, Thomas is in that boat that he's in because he's dug himself into it. He would not accept what other people had told him. Or he couldn't accept, he couldn't bring himself to accept that what his friends had said was true. And if we reflect on that just, just briefly for a moment, what is Thomas asking for? Well, he's going to the extreme, but he's asking to have that same experience that every single other disciple had. To see Jesus. That's all he's really asking for. And the key for us in all of this is that we don't have that physical experience of seeing Jesus as those who were in that room got to see Jesus either on the eve of Easter day or a week later. We don't have that experience of having walked on this earth with Jesus by our side, hearing his voice talk to us, following him as some, denying him and then following him again. We haven't got him in that same way. And one Peter tells us a little bit like about that as Wendy read. You know, for those of you who haven't seen but still believe. And that's all about this, this kind of difference between, well, we got to walk with Jesus and you didn't. And to stop this kind of differentiation in faith. Because the faith that we have has been passed down to us. It's been passed down to us from the apostles and everyone in between before it's got to us. And thing that comes to my mind right now is that um, how many of you have played the Kevin Bacon game? Yeah? 
You're seven, seven people away from knowing Kevin Bacon, is what they say. Yeah? You can connect to know Kevin Bacon if you go through the tracks. Well, you the same thing for, for knowing Jesus and knowing everything that we know about Jesus from the apostles and right the way through to us. But we, unlike with Kevin Bacon, get to have that personal relationship with Jesus. And there isn't any of this differentiation or this separation. Because through the Holy Scriptures, we actually get to see the result of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And through Holy Communion, we get to experience the grace that is offered and poured out because of his death and his resurrection. And John tells us that the very purpose of him writing all of this stuff down is so that many may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing in him may have life eternal. The faith that we have in Jesus Christ has been handed down to us. been given to us by the people who went before us. Our understanding of all the different doctrines is, is because people wrestled over what is the truth. And as it's been revealed to them, they then allowed it to then come to us. Now, you might have grown up in the church. You might have grown up in faith. And you've had it given to you through Sunday school, and, you know, many different people stood here in where I am now preaching about the Word of God and what it means and how we should be responding to it. Or you may be quite new to faith. And you might be like, okay, I'm wrestling with this stuff. You know, but, but I know it's true. And, and you might have got there, like Lee Strobel, through studying and through analyzing the evidence, or you may have got there through actually a personal experience of Jesus Christ, where he has sat on your bed and said hi. Or you've had a revelation of seeing him, hearing from him in physical words, like Paul did on the road. We've all encountered Jesus and we all encounter him in a slightly different way because there are many ways to get to know Jesus because he'll reveal himself in many different ways to each of us. But there's only one way and that is through him to actually have access and get to know the Father. So whichever way it's happened for you to be introduced to Jesus for him to reveal himself to you, whether it's study, whether it's kind of faith passed on. I mean, for me, I remember I got to a point where I was like, I can't go on living faith through my parents, so I've got to make a decision. Am I in or am I gone? And what it did for me is as, as I was sat there reflecting on that, I was like, my parents love me. 
I've got a lot of love and respect for my parents. Why are they going to lie to me about something that they say is so important and critical? So in my reasoning, that was the step that brought me into relationship with Jesus personally. So as you think on it, what brought you into relationship with Jesus personally? Because that faith has been handed down. Even if you've just recently said, I met Jesus on the road. I want to know him more. You're then in the learning process of getting to know the faith that has been handed down. Handed down all the way from the apostles. And the faith that we affirmed in just saying the uh, Nicene Creed. And our faith in its most simple form is that Christ died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In its most simplest form, that's what we believe. And an historian who is an atheist by the name of Bert Ehrman, he said, it's an historical fact that some of the Jesus' followers came to believe that he'd been raised from the dead soon after his execution. And we know some of these believers by name. And he names Paul as one who saw plainly Jesus after Jesus had died. And he goes on to say, thus for the historian, Christianity begins after the death of Jesus, not because of the resurrection itself but with the belief in the resurrection. See, our faith, that is what our faith is. And that's what I mean when I talk about us having an Easter faith. Our faith is based on belief that Jesus rose from the dead. And we hold it as fact that he did rise from the dead. How do we know this? We know this from, yes, historical evidence, in part, but also from Holy Scripture, which is full of historical fact, but also revelation from the Spirit, teaching us, guiding us, leading us. How do we base our faith? How do we respond to our faith? What are the examples of our faith being lived out by others who have gone before us? Whichever of your five senses you like to use the most or have the biggest connection to, you want to sense Jesus. If you want to see him, ask him to show himself to you. If you want to hear him, ask him to speak to you. If you want to smell him, I don't know why you'd want to smell Jesus, but you might. You want to smell Jesus? What do you think he smells like? Yeah? Well, he smells sweet. You want to touch like Thomas did? What is it that you're going to ask for today to say, I want to get closer to you, Jesus, and in faith, I'm coming to you, but I just want to have this faith strengthened. I want to know more about you, about who you are. 
What is it that's going to help you take that next step? I told a rather bad joke this morning to people in the foyer, which is kind of linked. Um, I said a horse walked into a bar and asked for a drink. And the barman said, but you're a horse. To which the horse said, no, I'm not. And the barman was like, you're clearly a horse. And the horse responded, I believe, therefore I am. That's philosophy. French philosopher called Descartes said that. But if I told you that before I told you about the horse, well, that would be putting Descartes before the horse. Okay? Whatever we believe is making who we are. And we cannot try to convince those who want to continually state that Jesus isn't real, that Jesus never lived. Because for them, no matter what amount of evidence we put in front of them, they're not going to change their mind. The only thing that could possibly change their mind is an encounter with the Holy Spirit introducing them to Jesus. So whatever it was for you, however you got to know Jesus, be giving thanks for that today. Is it your parents? Is it a spiritual parent that wasn't a blood relative? A Sunday school teacher? Who helped you cross into that life of faith? Who handed it down to you and brought you to a realization yeah, Jesus lived. Yes, he was crucified. Yes, he rose again. And amen, he's coming back. I want you to think on those things as I invite the band to come back up and they're going to help us prepare uh, for communion and, and to come into a time of confession. I want to invite you like I said, to dig into what brought you to faith in Jesus. And the fact that it's different to everyone else in this room is a good thing. Because there's many ways to come to know him. But we can all agree he is the only way to come and know the Father. So I invite you to all stand as the band leaders in song.